You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, I'm Avram Kibalevich, and this is On Principle, L.E., Challenges of Jewish Education. And although last time I was here with John Crow, who was a principal of a school in Riverdale, SAR, principal of a high school, today I thought we'd expand our horizon a little bit. And although he's not exactly a principal, but he is executive director of an organization that is about education. Uh, I'm with Rabbi Ari Koretsky, the executive director of Maor Maryland, which is a campus outreach organization under the Maor National Banner, an affiliate of OME. I'm reading here from his uh, bio. So he's also the host of the Jews You Should Know podcast, which can be accessed on virtually any podcast app, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, I said that already, Spotify, and is streamed at www.jewsyoushouldknow.com. Okay, that's the plug for you, Rabbi K. Thank Um, you, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm also known as Rabbi K, and also in Rabbi Koretsky's house, I'm also known as, Ari calls me Uncle Abe, um, and I'm, of course... (laughs) the uncle of his wife, and he is my nephew as well, whether he likes it or not. So I really thank you, uh, Rabbi K, from this Rabbi K, uh, to take time to talk about. I know something which you're very passionate about, and I know that uh, next to the podcast, or maybe higher than the podcast, of course, <laughs> is, <laughs> you know, is your role really as a Jewish educator, uh, and an educator in general, I, I wouldn't even say, you know, what you've done, I think, is, is probably true for, for, for everyone. And I think where you're different than John and maybe some of the other people we're going to have on the show in other times is, of course, we're talking here about, I don't know if we would call it adult learning. I'm not sure if you would call the college uh, campus, the people who are at the college campuses, young adults, perhaps, but young adult learning. Uh, and maybe even the young, we'll talk a little bit later about young professional learning. And I think this is an area that you have really developed a, a model for. I know from other of my friends that are in the business that you have actually been a mentor for them in terms of how to structure uh, this type of educational situation. Now, before I let you schmooze, I just want to point out uh, just something that's that's on your website, and and maybe you can use this as. And I think I I'm assuming since you have your degree in nonfiction writing that you probably wrote the the the, the, stuff <laughs> on the website as well. At some point, so, some uh, number of years ago, I'm sure I did. Yeah, so I'm sure I'm I'm, I'm going to throw your words back to you in a second. So this is okay. what I mean. Um, it sounds like again, it's about learning opportunities through. And here we have. I'm going to one, two, three, four, and I'll let you talk about them. So the first thing is timely classes. The second one is lively discussions. The third thing is transformative trips. Good alliteration there. Robert. Like the alliteration there. <laughs> I like that. As you know, I'm, I'm sort of like, that's one of my weaknesses too. Uh, transformative trips and other programming. Okay. So right away, this is a lot different than a normal educational situation. It's classes, discussions, trips, and programming. So, so tell me how that all works together to, 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 to craft an educational experience for, for the young adult. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, <clears throat> if I can't be a principal in real life, at least uh, I, can, <laughs> I can play one on, the, on TV or on podcast. Um, yes. Look, I think it's important to distinguish between uh, what we might call formal education and informal education. 
Right. And so my real passion is, is for informal education. In fact, I don't know that I could suffer uh, the, the uh, challenges or indignities of formal education, although informal education has its own indignities to, <laughs> to suffer through. But it's a very, very different um, type of venture because in a classroom setting, there's a certain curricular expectation. There's a certain structure that needs to be adhered to. Right there's a certain loyalty right. that, a, that a person needs to have to that an administrator or a teacher needs to have to a particular way of operating, and in many ways that can be very limiting. Obviously, you can have some degree of creativity within that space as well, but yeah, at the end of the day, you're dealing with a sort of a contrived situation in which students are, for better or worse, forced to be in a particular and, and place at a particular so, time. So in other words, the, the students that I'm sorry for interrupting, Arya, yeah. you know, that's that's one of the things I do as an uncle. But one one of the things here is that what you're doing is actually giving them alternatives to the formalized education they're having at the university. Right. Well, you're there in College Park, Maryland, because they're not they're not getting Jewish education for the most part. I understand. Uh, but, they, but but they're what they're the education that they are being exposed to. Although it's in college, not high school. Because I think what you were talking about before, this sort of like Germanic sense of this is the way we will study, is is, is more in high school and the old German universities. I don't know if that's the way it is, you know, on the campus well, of Maryland. At the end of the day, they're still in a classroom. They still have they have assignments to turn in. They have tests they're taking. Right. You know, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to justify or to see them the learning that's going on there as in many cases, at least as, you know, learning for the pure sake of acquisition of wisdom, maybe as the old university was meant to be. It's really largely, you know, kind of vocational training in colleges nowadays and with some exceptions, um, but those exceptions are exceptions. So for the most part, they still are in a school mindset. Yes. So so, so therefore you're giving them a way to find out about things, the way to get information and ideas and channel ex- this, these ideas into new experiences for them in a way they're not getting it yeah, I mean, what, what, I think what I think is notable about what we're doing is that it's it's volitional so this is something that students are opting in to doing and the way that I always frame it to them and you know one of the main roles that I play on campus is is the recruitment role and I'm sort of the the rainmaker I guess when it comes mm-hmm. to bringing in new students and one of the major distinctions I try to draw out for them is that you know you've been probably forced to go uh, your whole life to Hebrew school or much of it, which in, in, in uh, very, in, in the majority of cases is a very unpleasant experience for them or certainly less than inspiring, um, you know, mode of, of uh, operation for them. They're coming from a long day of school or waking up early on a Sunday morning. They're listening to some, somebody drone on about something they're not all that interested in and they're doing it so they can have their bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, and then generally okay. move on. So, so this brings up another thing that you actually have a certain uh, type of student that you're after. You're, you're not after, 
and I know this, of course, but I know if our listeners know, but part of the Maryland Jewish experience that you are the director of is that you're not after a, a kid or a boy or girl who went to normal day school or normal yeshiva high school or not normal, but you know, in the nor- in what we call the Orthodox Jewish high school, you're looking for someone who's probably his Jewish education has, like you said, been shunted into a Sunday morning uh, stuff down their throat type of situation or completely uh, ignorant of, of, of a Jewish education. That's, That's right. who you are zeroing out Outreach for. focus. And uh, we're, we're dealing primarily with students from less affiliated backgrounds, although there is certainly a range therein, anywhere from someone with, you know, a stronger history of, of learning to someone with absolutely no Jewish exposure at all. So, so I guess it really, although I didn't know if the discussion was going to go this way originally, but I guess what you're bringing up is that although it's a what we call a cure of organization, I mean, I'm reading from your copy that you wrote here, you want to inspire a long, a lifelong love affair with Jewish learning, right? So it, it's about learning. It isn't just about, again, it's Jewish learning and living, but learning first. So think, you, you are educators, right? You're not just 100%. trying to say, Nebuch, there's people that, are, that aren't yet from yet. Let's get them from, let's, let's, let's have them do mitzvahs. We want them to be learners. It sounds like that's what you want. Right? Right. I, think there's a, I think there's a great debate in the, in the broader world of, call it outreach, there, you know, whether there's a Chabad approach and there are many different approaches, but the Ma'or approach has been, and this was kind of, the, it was founded on the principle, on principle, that... Yes, uh, <laughs> here's our principle. Go ahead. Go. That, uh, you know... The, the I might many, have to ask you, I might have to ask you to give plugs for all the other 80 podcasts that, I've, that I'm at as well. <laughs> I'll try you to know. weave it in. Okay, if we, yeah, what's one on one, we can go one on one and we can have a Rizcha Daraisa and... Uh, our parts from are showing with each other. You know, we have. Oh, yeah. a, go ahead, and we are chavrusas now. But go ahead. Yeah. There we go. So yeah, so it, it, there's no question that our philosophy has been that informed uh, Jewish life is what we're going for. That students need to be equipped with the tools to make educated choices. So we're not just looking to, you know, stimulate some kind of, um, you know activity by by rote some kind of you know performance of mitzvot we're trying to create a, a situation in which a student really is learning to think and and question and develop a an intellectual and and ultimately of course spiritual but but first perhaps an intellectual connection to judaism so that they appreciate its relevancy and they appreciate that there's something here worth investigating and worth committing to it's not just about you know bagels and locks and the sort of the cliche. Okay, all right. So, so that's actually so it's actually a double aspect. One, one thing is is that of course you want to get them in their minds. You don't want to just get their bodies and hearts. You want their minds because you know the minds is the mind is the is, is sort of the best way to the heart. And what you want to do is is, is to have well rounded, fully engaged. Jewish people and through the mind is the best way. Um, and that's, we know it's not only that we put a premium on Jewish learning, Jewish learning is really what allows Jewish growth to happen. It's not just that this is a value that we have. Learning is really part of what Jewish life is, which is why education means so much to us in general. I want to point out though, is, you know, when I was looking, you know, sort of in a Talmudic analysis of your website, I noticed you have, you know, a, a beautiful array of people there, and I saw that nobody really has a educational 
degree, right? Um, including yourself. Uh, you know, you got a master's in, as I said before, creative nonfiction writing, um, and all the other people that are called educators, uh, Zalman and his wife from Zalman, you know, they've got, you know, an MS in counseling, a BS in biology, a BS in nursing, um, all the people that you have there as educators, even your senior educator, uh, Rabbi Mo is basically just a, yeshiva. I mean, again, I'm sure he's great, but I, I doubt in, by, in the Paseik Yeshiva by Mayor Stern or in Mir Nirshalayim or in Lakewood, he was taking any courses in Jewish education or anything like that. Um, and I guess that goes for his Rebbitson and um, for the other uh, Mrs. Mo and uh, I want to leave them out if they hear the podcast. And uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Zakem also, although although she seems to be a teacher in Yeshiva Greater Washington. So again, I guess what's how do you you know if somebody would come to you and say you know you've got this staff of educators, but none of them have taken courses in education. What do you think? Do you is, isn't isn't there isn't there a, a, a Mila in having some sort of being studying some sort of educational philosophy before you go out there and like, what what is it about to be a good teacher for kids that you're trying to reach? Because they don't have. Yeah. It's a fair critique, I, I think. Um, <clears throat> I am. I would say again, I would bring it back to that distinction between formal and informal education, in the sense that what we're really trying to do is education within the context of a relationship. Right, so it's really relationship driven, and and for that I think there's you know much less. They don't need the skills of, of classroom management, or you know uh, advanced theories and pedagogy. I think it's really about being passionate about first of all being knowledgeable, of course, having what you know to give over, and then being passionate about that content and having the personal skills to transmit that to uh, to people who have not necessarily been exposed to that before. So so number one, that's what I would, you know, at its core, that's what I would say um, in, in terms of drawing that distinction between a, a classroom environment and most of the types of education that, that are taking place here, which is either one-on-one or small groups, um, discussions and, and things like that. The other point I would draw, though, is that although it, it is true that they haven't been to, um, you know, accredited institutions of higher learning, to study education um, as a group of professionals, both within Ma'or itself, which is, let's say, 30 to 40 educators, and the broader Olami global network, which, which includes hundreds of people, and Olami is the sort of the overarching or umbrella foundation that sponsors much of our work and that convenes a lot of uh, gatherings for professional development. Okay. That, there's quite a bit of uh, conversation that goes on, training, discussion, um, you know, in investigating new ways of giving over material and creative ideas and things like that. So there's quite a bit of, of that sort of professional give and take that does take place, which I think serves the role of the uh, Oh, I'm sure. Again, obviously, you can you can take a lot of educational degrees and not be anything in a classroom or as an educator or as a person who could connect to people. Uh, so it doesn't always come from a degree. It doesn't always come from what you study. But obviously, like you say, uh, there are theories, there are ideas of how to do it better. And I assume that you probably take a leadership role in terms of mentoring your new educators and maybe talk to them about and brainstorm with them about what might work and what doesn't work. Right. And that's probably something that uh, you have to do no matter what, and you have to grow and change. 
So I'm sure that that does happen, right? I mean, it's not, even though you're sort of a hands-off type of guy, you want people, you, you try to hire good people and let them go, but you're not above coming in there and, and, and suggesting what you think might work better. Right? Sure. I'm I mean, sure look, we're, we're constantly tweaking. The reality is if, if a person is not willing to innovate and evolve, certainly in, in this kind of a field where you're working with young people who, you know, themselves are constantly evolving just in, in, in their essence and who they are, then you're going to be rendered irrelevant pretty quickly. You know, and people vote with their feet and uh, you're not going to be educating uh, too many, you know, participants for very long. So there's no question that we're, we're constantly responding to the realities of, of what we're uh, up against. And yeah, that, that forces, you know, necessity is, uh, I think, invention's mom, as they say. Yes. So, you know, they, we're constantly forced to react to the marketplace and, uh, and adjust our educational approaches. You know, I, I want to make a little bit of a contrast here between, and this is not just an excuse to talk about me, although, you know, that's always good. Um, but I wanted to contrast what you do and what I have done for many years, other than, you know, you know of course, I've taught the, the whole spectrum of teaching. But one of the things that I've really done in a major way uh, for many, many years was adult education. I still do that, of course, at night. And even real senior education, which is, you know, we had Kailar Echiomim. I think you might have been there once in a while in Chicago. You might remember. And these were Holocaust survivors and people that were well into their 80s and 90s sometimes. So, you know, I, I have experience in adult education. Uh, and I think there's probably a big difference, which I think our listeners might want to hear about as well, which is the difference between young adult education and older adult education. That when we, and I don't know if you do much of that. Obviously, you know, you're doing with younger people. But I think in the, in, in, there, there is a, clearly uh, there's the idea of volition is central by an older person uh, because not only are they coming because they want to, they're coming because they need to in many ways. Some of them are discovering that, you know, the Grim Reaper awaits or mortality awaits and therefore they want to study. They want to learn. They want to finally sit down and get it done. Even ones in, in their young middle age, people who haven't learned before. So I think the idea of giving a, a, a sheer at night or having educational experience, shiurim, I think there we have a little bit of a different wisdom, a different way of handling it. Um, I think you still, there's still a challenge. You know, the challenges of Jewish education are there. I think the challenges of picking your topics and, and what you're trying to do. I think there are a lot, uh, when I talk about, you know, adult education, although on one level, it's what did we accomplish? Like, did we finish the Masechta or making a seum? But on the other hand, there's also the subtle sense of camaraderie and the fact that you're part of a group of learners, which makes you feel significant. Um, so you, you have to actually master two skills. One is being able to give over information towards them because you want them to keep on coming and feel like they've invested and they know it and they're part of it. And this is something that they feel good about. And then connected to that, of course, is the idea, the personal skills, which is you're part of a group. We're all together. Um, and many of them will tell you that they love leaving their home and the, sometimes the sort of uh, chaos and difficulty of their homes to be able to come to a place where they can study and learn. And again, I think this, I think we sort of have mentioned three different models here. We've talked about the high school model, which, you know, or the Germanic sense of university model. We've talked about what you're doing. And I think I just want to throw that in as well, where we're talking about, you know, the particulars of Jewish education, where it's adult education. But I think, I think a different skill set needs to be brought to the table. 
Um, yeah, know- I mean, look, I, I've done some adult education as well. And I, I will say, I think there's a, there's a, there's a common ingredient that I think um, can run, you know, sort of is the defining feature um, when, when it comes to this kind of informal education or volitional education. And that is the degree to which a person wants knowledge, wants learning, I think is related inversely to the degree to which the educator needs to be terribly skilled or creative or entertaining, let's say, right? In other words, when you have somebody who comes and they see, you know, it's their, uh, let's say that their, their parent, God forbid, passed away and they desperately want to learn how to say Kaddish. You don't have to entertain that person. You don't have yes. to recruit that person. You don't have to keep the right. They're coming. They have a very uh, a need that they've identified and they are pursuing very uh, assiduously and you don't have to be charismatic or, or even that particularly competent. You simply have to teach the information, <laughs> presuming that you know the information you have, you have it to give over, right? And I found that in adult education as well, that, you know, to the degree that the, the adults are really, really excited to learn, really want to learn. So it becomes a little bit actually easier than, than what I do on campus, because there's, for, for the ones that are coming, that are taking out of their I understand. time, they're leaving their families, it's a much bigger statement for them than just leaving their dorm rooms and their video games. You know, here they're, they're really leaving actual lives. So there's a certain level of seriousness that goes along with it. You know, rarely do I find college kids taking notes on what I say, but when I give an adult education class, believe it or not, they actually sometimes pull out a, a pad and, and pen, and, uh-huh. which is pretty, you know, sometimes pretty I want to now, what are you doing? <laughs> but I don't, I don't out myself that way. But yes. you know, yeah. it, there's, there's a certain um, seriousness that comes with it. And, that's and, and, I, and I'm, I know you're so busy with your family, your kids, and um, everything. Do you ever find yourself going to an adult, a class that interests you? Sure. Like, you I, go I, at, I mean, personal you development and, and learning is, is critical, right? So right. You, can't, you can't educate without So, being, so let me just, on, on that point, let's maybe make a difference between uh, two different types of adults. Again, we talk, I'm not saying that what you have is young adults, but let's say older adults already in, in, in their married lives. And let's talk about um, young married professionals. And I guess it's, let's say, 30s and 40s, difference than, let's say, many of the people who make up my shiurim uh, in Elizabeth and then in Chicago, those who are in their 40s, late 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond. Um, the young professionals, I think there might be, you might need to be a little bit of a magician and a little bit of a charismatic uh, person in terms of, hey, this is a different sort of class. Because remember, they have kids who need homework, they have wives that want them uh, to stay with them at home and do stuff. So I think there is sometimes a it's the wives that are coming. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to know as well. So I think there probably might be a little bit of a nafkamina in what you're saying. I think that you probably have in as far as young professionals, especially if they're not necessarily yeshiva should train and you want to get them to come, I think you probably need some of the same skills uh, of, of a pedagogical, not only pedagogical skills, but also quick, uh, be, the quick understanding of what the zeitgeist is about in terms of you how do. you're going to present stuff. You do. Well, you- I'll say like, what I'll tell you is like this, that you do, of course, still need some level of, of talent and call it charisma, whatever that word is a loaded word, but you know, for, for whatever it is, you obviously need an ability to connect with people and to teach effectively. My, my point simply is, is the distinction I want to draw is that often Life itself is what 
drives people, right? People, people learn most and best when they feel the most personal need, when they feel it acutely. And so as life goes on and people experience life, whether they're raising children, they feel all of a sudden, wait a second, how am I supposed to raise this kid, you know, from a Jewish perspective? Or they're in, in a marriage or they're coming up to the holidays and supposed to run their own holiday, you know, tables or whatever it might be. So the, the, the needs of life, the experiences of life often drive that sense of urgency that older people, I don't mean older in the, in the sense that you meant, but older from, from where I stand, people yeah. in their 30s, 40s that are building families, that sense of urgency tends to be a little bit stronger, at least for those who are self-selecting to get involved. However, the contrast is that the, the power of the education, the potential that the education has to be a transformative or formative force in one's life is far greater earlier in this earlier in the in the, in the age spectrum. Yeah, right? As we say, like the uh, the verse Gibor, right? The, the the degree to which the uh, the famous parable that you right. know the days of youth are like the arrow pulled back in the bow, right? Earlier on, the earlier you can shape that trajectory, if you if you move one degree earlier, so down the line that that's many many degrees off. You're going to be able to you know, so so obviously obviously you know as, as Alicia Benavuyo already told us in Pirkei that ain't a daima uh, right. writing on a cloth yoshan than a cloth chodesh. So, so there's clearly, something there's something very uh, almost intoxicating about the opportunity to work with more of a blank slate, even if sometimes that means needing to get more in the <laughs> edutainment sort of space. And, and recruiting which, and hustling and right, which is one of the things I think that you, you know you've excelled in, and I guess everybody knows that, and that's how um, you know everybody knows who Rabbi K is on campus because you're you're the guy who actually hustles them in. I just want to end with this one point, and we're you know just to put everything together here in a way. Um, part of what I what I believe in, and I don't know if you share my belief in this, is that there's got to be this idea of misakena misbeinein. I think that part of you know, we're, we're such a fractured society. Uh, we, everybody picks what they want. Um, and, and the idea of everybody all together uh, learning from each other is sort of, sort of unknown. Um, and, and, and I believe actually when, especially when I was dealing with the Zikanim, one of, one of the greatest pleasures I had was bringing, I was teaching high school in Ida Crown is, was bringing these two groups together was actually bringing my high school students from Ida Crown to my uh, retirees, super retirees actually showing having a learning experience happen now you got to know how to craft it that it isn't just doesn't just turn into you know just a bunch of people wandering around bumping into each other <laughs> but, but but i think part of what i think your what more has shown is that it's not about your formal educational training it's about your personal skills but i think what an educator can do a principal can do is actually have the young learn from the old the old learn from the young and have people tell their stories have people engage um and 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 target a young person to almost be an educator for an older person. In other words, to educate them about what's happening in the world, what's going on. And for the older person to be able to give over life knowledge and wisdom uh, and experience. I I think that's what we're missing in in many ways in the whole large Jewish educational spectrum. I don't know. Again, there are people I know or Sameach or uh, I know or or it's Aish. I'm sorry if I I can say that. Yeah. Yeah. They talk about everybody like inviting people and being connected and everybody should I take think that, that role. Project Inspire, yeah. 
Project Inspire, right? So yeah. Project Inspire is like bringing people to your house and everybody becomes a teacher. But what I'm talking about is actually structuring a way that, especially if we talk about people from the Holocaust generation, but even people who, who went through, you know, the, the, the baby boomers, to actually allow them to interact and, and, and have an educational situation where it's not just your son or your grandson. There's actually someone out there. And I, and I think there's a lot that can be absorbed and, and seen, and I think it, could, it can make a difference on both. I, look, you're, on, you're at the, uh, the cutting edge of the educational world, Ari, so this might be something that uh, your Uncle Abe can maybe throw you in is maybe something that, that can be pushed in the future. It's interesting. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm doing a, actually an adult education class. Again, adult education for people in their 30s and 40s. Um, yeah. People, parents of, of young families. Um, in just a couple of weeks, I'm giving a, giving a class, a pre-Passover class. And uh, one of the things that I'm doing there is I'm actually bringing some of the students uh, from campus with me to that class. Um, because, you know, from my perspective, it's, it's a nice way to expose those adults to what I'm doing on campus. And uh, everyone enjoys you know, meeting young people, but there's also a value, like you said, in the young people learning from the experience. And like I said, seeing the sense of urgency and seriousness around learning that somewhat older people might have, there is a great synergy there. It can be, you know, as many things in life, uh, the theory can be, you know, beautiful. And then there can be pragmatically uh, a difficult, uh, difficulty arranging these kinds of encounters on a regular basis but uh, but absolutely from a conceptual standpoint it's certainly a wonderful opportunity to blend different different strengths and different people from different parts of their lives together to sort of grab the best of both worlds in terms of the the freshness and idealism as well as the the experience and urgency that the two uh, populations re- represent respectively well i'm happy that you're taking these steps and hopefully they could even be extended even further uh, along the whole spectrum. So, Rabbi, thanks for giving us so much time today. I know that uh, you got to get back to campus, and I know you have the needs of your home and your students. So, uh, it's been a pleasure, really. Uh, remember that uh, our house is always open. <laughs> I know that uh, even when you're not there. <laughs> that's right. You know, you you know the code to get in. That's all yeah, you need the codes. You know where the fridge is. So we got a, we got two fridges. So you know you know that everything's always open for you. So anyway, you, don't, you don't have to ask me once. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this has been. I, I'm from Kivilevich. My guest today has been Rabbi Ari Koretsky of Executive Director of Moor Maryland. And you can find much more about him on the Moor website. And once again, that podcast. Jews, you should know. Uh, it drops almost every week, and uh, it's it's an incredible podcast. And Alavai, our podcasts uh, should be able to get that type of popularity as well. So and you remember, uh, leave us a review on Stitcher or wherever you listen to us on Apple Podcasts because it allows us to grow our community, allows us to bring more shows like this, and uh, we're always open to any sort of suggestions you might have. So we'll see you again with another principle, hopefully uh, soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app you don't miss a single episode.